Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I'm your host, Megan Burks, a certified professional coach specializing in ADHD and embodiment practices, steel mace flow enthusiast, and recovering perfectionist whose life has been guided, for better or for worse, by the motto, let's fuck around and find out. On this podcast, I interview women and those who identify as women who have done just that and whose honesty, bravery, vulnerability, and curiosity have helped them find their stoke, the thing that lights them up and has shaped their relationship with their body, their spirit, and the world around them. I share the stories that inspire me so that you too can find your stoke. Hello, and welcome back to the Sisters in Stoke podcast. I am so excited to have here with me today, Gabriella Rosie. Is it Gabriella or Gabriella? Gabriella. Gabriella, beautiful. Um, she is an artist, creativity mentor, and self-proclaimed bad bitch, which she certainly is. We're going to dig into that. <laughs> She's obsessed with creating the work and life of her dreams and knows that we each have the ability to make absolutely anything our reality. I'm going to just start by saying what I was just telling her before we hit record on this podcast. The reason I have asked her to be here is because she has had a huge influence on me um, through her art, through her messaging, through the way that she shows up in this world in terms of reminding me to back myself. Oh God, I'm getting emotional already. Jeez, we're like 30 <laughs> seconds in. And more importantly, reminding me to have fucking fun with this life that I am not just creating, but I am curating. And yes. I have quite a few of them here. I've got a lot of her card decks. I've got stickers all over the place. I've got jewelry. <laughs> I've got all sorts of things that have served as really incredible reminders for me to enjoy what I'm doing and to show up as who I actually am. I'm going to hand it over to you now to describe a little bit more about who you are and what you do and what are you stoked about? Beautiful. Um, I love before the recording of this, um, Megan was saying, I'm gonna to ask you to tell everybody what you do. And I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't know how to make a concise version of that because yeah, it really depends on the season I'm in and intentionally so that's literally like how I've built my business and it's been something that has inspired me since I was like 14 and first had an internet connection and saw people like sharing themselves online mm. and really being someone who's grown up with that of seeing the thing of oh maybe it's a possibility that my job can be be being myself like is that a ridiculous thing um yeah. yes but it's my favorite thing um ultimately being your job being whatever you're most excited to create and having a way to bring that to my audience. So right now that's creating decks of cards and teaching people in programs and creating content and creating, you know, clothing and products and jewelry and all these different things. And also a lot of the things that I don't share publicly yet or maybe ever, which is my own personal projects of painting and I'm doing a pottery course and who knows, like these things might turn into extra avenues of my business or they might just be creative outlets. And I, I think that freedom to be like, my business can expand in any way is, is ultimately what's really, really exciting and like the place I most like to play in. Oh, I love that. I am. Um, I really like what you just said too, about exploring things creatively and it may become part of your business yeah, and it may not. Um, I had a post-it note on my wall for a long time that said it's okay to have a hobby. Right. Because <laughs> I would feel this pressure. I would take on these things, especially creative endeavors, and everything became about monetizing it or turning it into a product or something saleable. And it was an adjustment for me to remember that doing things just because they bring me pleasure in my life, that's an expansion of who I am as well. And oh. that teaches other people to soften into that, I think, and to ex ex expand really is that word that I'm looking for here and to step forward. Absolutely. Like 
I think there's a few things like first of all like creativity and getting to the point where you can actually move beyond practicing or learning the skills and craft of something to a point of actually being able to be creative with a skill like you have to learn the technique before you can create something new and be able to add to it so a lot of creativity takes time for you to figure it out before it becomes something that once you've figured something out once you've mastered something to a degree it gets really really easy to make money from that thing because your skill level is above other people's your you have a unique perspective on that thing. You have something to add. So obviously it becomes really easy to turn that into a business to make profit from it. But then there's also the other part of it where I don't think people have to necessarily wait until they've reached that point where like I've mastered this. I think it's actually really empowering to learn the skill of business and selling through your own expansion and you know figuring out how you create as well so it's definitely like individual for each person but for me especially like I've really prioritized hobbies and learning new things even more so since I've had since I've been using my creativity as my job Mm-hmm. because I've wanted that distinction between let letting myself actually play and really create things because you you go from a different lens when you're sat when I'm sat down to create a collection I want to be coming to that with you know experience of months maybe of me playing with these ideas on my own with no expectations on them because mm-hmm. it's really hard to have like a blank page and have an initial idea and be like this needs to be a product as soon as possible it's not the most fun place to create no. and it's not necessary. No. And I think God, like what you just said about creativity being a skill mm-hmm. is so important because we see so often, you know, when you think about a doctor or surgeon who's cutting into you, they didn't just decide that morning. Right. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be a surgeon. And it's really funny. I went to a life drawing class towards the end of last year and I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm very good at drawing. I get really frustrated between what I see in my head and I can see it so vividly. And then mm-hmm. I just can't get the shit. Like it's, it's the depth perception. Everything's really hard. But the artist who was teaching this class, who's been a guest on this podcast, was talking about how you, you know, you use your thumb to measure their head. And there's about seven of those per the body and the ratio. And I was like, oh, there's like a method to this. Yeah. Because in my mind, people that are, creative artistically I'm a writer I'm a poet but I'm not someone who engages in a lot of drawing and artwork and to me that's just this thing that you just you're like you're good at you just wake up and you're good at it yeah this idea of creativity being something that can be developed and practiced and the benefit that you find in sitting your ass down you know, the, the blinking cursor with the blank face, <laughs> you get all the tools and you're like, oh, I need a cup of tea. I need to pee again. I need to do, you know, and that moment of fear, but that moment that you just show up and you start to engage in that. Has yeah. that gotten easier for you as you have lived a life more and more in alignment with this part of yourself? Or does that still feel really kind of, I guess, clunky? sometimes Mm, do you mean like the blank page not knowing what to do kind of thing um yes and no like it's gotten easier and it also hasn't like it's gotten easier in the sense that I know that that's how you begin a project you begin with a blank page you begin with like a lots of ideas but no like order to them like you begin with the mess or the the space and that's literally how it goes there's no bypassing that so it's like that oh this is what I'm supposed to be really confused or really frustrated or having that desire to even want to improve your skills, I think is something that as creatives, we can really hate that feeling of, you know, the disparity between where your skills are now and where you want them to be. Whereas actually that's our biggest (laughs) gift. If we didn't have that desire for it to be better and to create things in this way that we can see them in our brains, then we wouldn't be like, all right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to draw and I'm going to practice and I'm going to learn this thing and I'm going to face up to this frustration and get to the other side of it. So I think understanding, you know, from years and years of making different projects and facing that blank page and facing the frustration over and over again, it doesn't necessarily disappear, but I know it's just part of it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, if if I'm at a point in a project where I'm like, 
I don't know how to do this. This is frustrating the hell out of me. I'm in edits over and over again and I'm not quite getting it right. That means I'm like, oh, now I'm actually learning something. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm not getting frustrated and getting like annoyed or whatever in the process. But I'm also aware that it's like, this is where I develop. So like, oh. bring it on. <laughs> I love that's such a brilliant reframe. And I think detaching from the outcome as well mm. sometimes and just really, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the word. It's the journey. It gets overused a lot. I wish I could come up with something else, but it is the journey, you know, yeah. and it is, that's where we spend most of our time as artists is in well, that, that chaos. <laughs> if you look at anybody, if you look at the most famous, prolific, impactful artist, and you get to see nothing, nobody is ever just about like one painting or one thing that yeah. they're created. It's a whole body of work. And when you look over that body of work, you can see the improvement you can see like how the artist refined their style and their skills but when we sit down to create it's usually a thing of like oh this final piece isn't exactly what I want it doesn't say everything about me as a creative it doesn't have my whole personality and voice in it and it's like we forget that it's not just about that one piece and I think if you have that real understanding of the journey in terms of artistry is in like zooming out and looking at the body of your work instead of like this one piece and if it's like that's so scary to sit down and create and be like this has to encapsulate all of me or people I see it so much with people you know posting online of being like this one piece of content has to you know give value and tell people who I am and differentiate me in the market and it's like it's just one little piece it's one little post one piece of content like it's all adding to the bigger picture of what you're creating which is ultimately your vision and your world as an artist oh and I this is such a good segue to what we were discussing before I hit record on this which was also this awareness that what I create today like I can create something today that feels 100% in alignment with who I am in this moment but I'm committed to my evolution yeah. So who I am next week, you know, I am, um, I think it was maybe Seth Godin. Someone said something along, some famous marketer said something along the lines of, you know, if you don't look back at your initial offerings and feel a little bit embarrassed, you probably waited too long. And yeah. I think you have to get comfortable with that. But what I find so fascinating about what, to me, what differentiates you in the market, I guess, <laughs> Because there's, and I consider you an influencer. You've influenced me. So I'm going to call you that. <laughs> I know that word's got pros and it's got cons, but to me, you are someone who is showing people a different way of being in this world. And I certainly have the sense like I'm creeping on you now. Probably I am. But <laughs> I certainly have used you as sometimes that there's been posts that you've put up and I felt really like, oh, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're this and you're, that, and you're whatever. But I have learned over the last you know, decade that that envy for me, when that comes up, that envy is showing me an area in my life where I need to step more fully into who I am and what I'm capable yeah. of. So I can sit with that now in this really comfortable, just uncomfortable kind of way and unpack it. But what I love about your work is that you are so committed to what it is that is lighting you up in this moment and that complexity of being not afraid to be all the things, to not feeling like you have to niche into, oh, I'm a painter. Oh, I'm a clothing designer. Oh, I'm a this or, oh, I'm a that. And that is something in the work that I've done with coaching women in particular, because I tend to coach women who have ADHD, that obsession and curiosity and passion for such a variety of things that I think a lot of us have been made to feel guilty about and we have made been made to feel at times like that is a sign that we don't really know who we are or that we're not really comfortable with who we are. And I'm calling complete bullshit on that because what I see that as, as I said to you, is very much a function of the patriarchy. And you reminded me also very much a function <laughs> of capitalism, this desire to take humans and especially women and put us in these tidy little neat boxes that can be stacked up just so. And now there's this real moment where we're kind of going, you know what? Fuck that. Yeah. And so I'm really curious just to hear what that's been like for you in your own life. And then with the beautiful people that you get to work with, 
Mm. How does it feel? to? Because, you know, I've been on both sides of that, that moment where they start to unpack it and they go like they give themselves the permission. Yeah, I mean, absolutely what you said. I think in terms of niching down or in terms of picking one thing, it is an effective strategy in, Mm. you know, this patriarchal capitalistic society that we live in right now because you're able to get a point across maybe with more clarity and more direction if you pick one thing like I'm not denying the effectiveness and the efficiency that that strategy can have but this is where it stops working when Mm. that strategy only works if you can continue to pick one thing and be one thing indefinitely yeah and that is where that strategy falls apart and crumbles for me and for a lot of people and I think we don't acknowledge that and this is where I see a lot of creatives thinking they have to pick one thing and being really too diligent with that and trying to do it do it and then you know naturally because they are a creative or they're a human who wants to do multiple things they feel their attention being pulled in a different direction or their desires being pulled in a different direction Mm. and instead of that being a sign of excitement or a natural sign of their own personal evolution by being like of course you're interested in different things of course you want to express yourself in different ways a lot of people internalize that as a way of them failing I'm like I can't do business because I can't pick one Mm. thing I can't stick to something long term I suck at strategies I hear this stuff all the time I suck at selling I can't do business because I'm a creative blah 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 instead we can actually free ourselves and open ourselves up to allow ourselves the possibility to do multiple different things and understand this is how I teach in you know my programs of like we can understand the strategy we can use the strategy to work because we do live in a patriarchal capitalist society and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon personally mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah I do think the things that we can create are adding to that change but it's not going to change this year right so the things we can do to allow ourselves to live you know in our own way in ways that feel good is understand how we can fit our creativity into certain you know I work with my students on creating collections and that allows them to like direct their attention and their products in certain waves But that doesn't mean that they're not also behind the scenes working on different things, allowing themselves to explore different areas. So there's this real balance that I think creatives can really benefit from of having an understanding of how business works and also an understanding of what's going to help them have that long term creativity and ability to show up and ability to be excited and enthusiastic about what they're creating. And that gives you an output of products and services that allows you to then fuel, like continue to fuel your creative process as well. I'm a big believer in like, we can have our cake and eat it. And I think that with a little bit of strategy and mostly like freeing yourself to really follow what you want to do and let that be the thing, instead of trying to slice away 80% of who you are and pick one thing, it's not going to work long-term. If that's not how you're naturally excited and how you your break some people a very like small amount of people have one thing that they want to do yeah. but let them people run with it absolutely if you're not one of those people and you're trying to fit yourself into that box I'm sorry it's just not gonna work you don't yeah. even need to do it no you don't and look I've been jealous of those people <laughs> well because so much of the languaging is like this is what you have to be yeah yeah absolutely and there's been times you know I've said to my husband there are times that I wish I could just be someone who has like this job and this career and I know what I want to do and I'm just going to climb the ladder and then I'm going to retire and I'm going to die. And as I'm saying that, my whole body's <laughs> like, that is not true. You do not actually want to be that person. And I'm like, no, but I crave that simplicity at yeah. times of following this path. And for me, the reality of committing to bringing more of myself into my work and to really giving myself permission to coach the way that I coach with my strengths, with my skill set, which have developed over 15 years and a lot of training and courses, but then also trusting myself, you know, and my own life experience. There is always going to be those elements of flux and flow and change and evolution, but like that's fucking life. 
Yeah. You know, like, why do I have this expectation? And I think that something certainly that you speak to and more people in the online space are speaking to is this, this real overlap between business for creatives and understanding that the narratives and the obstacles, I think, which can make creatives really hesitant to, you know, quote unquote, do business mm. are things that we need to address and have conversations about in a way that works for us. So certainly in my work, I work with a lot of creatives around money narratives and then creativity mindset narratives. And we use body dosing techniques or intuitive techniques. And we make statements like creatives are bad with money. And they're like, yeah, you know, and they're like, business is boring. And they're like, yeah. Or rich people are jerks. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you going to secure the purse? If right? this is what all of your belief is. And I've I've employed really fun strategies with some of my clients who like one woman was like, I hate when I have to sit down and do like the marketing and finance. And I said, look, hire a young guy. Like you're the young guy, but like put a sock in your pants and like swagger into the office and be like, hey, I'm like August from marketing, you know, and get a theater background so she was like yeah I can do that and she played around with it and she started to separate these things out so you know I could see you nodding and laughing at some of those narratives when women or men but women especially when they come to work with you are there narratives that you see over and over and over and over again that are really holding people back oh absolutely like all of those that you mentioned um I think there's so much around it even being a possibility that you can make money from art, which is insane to me. But even though I know that I have so very much been in that place as well, but I think there's so many um, reality checks that we can have with ourselves because all of the creatives and the artists that I look up to, like from being a child are insanely wealthy people. Like, yeah, the, the painters, the musicians, very, very wealthy people. And yet at the same time, we can have this story that's like, it's impossible to make money yeah. from art. Yeah. And truthfully, I think if we really look at it, a lot of the messaging that we got, if we got that from our parents or obviously the people, our teachers, for, the, for a large part, for them and in that lifetime, even though that's one generation away, yeah. the impossibility or the possibility of making a career out of your art to what it is now is an insane difference yeah the the possibilities I have because I have an iPhone and I have Instagram are a thousand fold what my mother would have had yeah and that is insane and I think we have to have that understanding of how quickly the opportunities have changed and how quickly our ability to access and create our own opportunities has changed yes and we have to decide to change that stuff like all of these stories for ourselves and be like whoa things have moved really fast yeah and I get to shift my beliefs with the stories that are actually available to me now and that's why I'm obsessed with the internet because like you can find people who are doing really ridiculous things cool things that inspire you who are very similar to you who've had like similar lives who are doing excite by a similar thing it doesn't have to be someone who's creating the most extreme things in the world for them to be able to have a life where they're living very comfortably from their art it's it's just changed right and yet our thinking largely hasn't changed and I think that this is where we really see that the gatekeepers of art yeah it's that's gone you know with the ability to self-publish with the ability to record your own music with GarageBand or an app or your phone and a microphone to put yourself on Spotify to put yourself out there we don't as creatives need to go through this process of being chosen by this very small amount of elite people who were usually white men you know historically and still in in a lot of areas And, you know, I self-published my book of poems. Amazing. Because they're my poems. I don't want someone's feedback on my poems. 
I didn't right? want them I didn't to want be to edit edited. Thank you. <laughs> no, I didn't want someone to tell me I can't say the F word or I can't put this poem in or this poem doesn't, because it's such a subjective thing. How do we even begin to have this conversation about, you know, it's different if you're writing a textbook that it has to explain the steps of something. Mm -hmm. And I really, for me, this reminder comes up. I've got two boys who are 10 and 13. They love YouTube, as do most, you know, children of this age at this point. And even four or five years ago with my older son, he'd be like, I want to be a YouTuber. And I was like, that's not a thing. Like a YouTuber, mm. that's not a real job. And now there are these kids filling up swimming pools with jello and riding right. their bikes into it. And they're making trillions of dollars. It's you know? insane. It is. And I'm not going to get it, you know there's moral issues and there's exploitation and there's who's controlling this and you know, like totally. it's complicated it is complex it is nuanced which humans are not great at that we really like this black or white my side yep. your side either <laughs> or like let's just accept that we're in the gray area but this is where I need to remind myself that like I might sit down and watch those shorts and be like this is fucking stupid mm. like this but my kids <laughs> are laughing their asses off and I'm like look at the joy yeah. Look at the joy that this is creating for them and this is this is the thing especially for me about painting is mm. that like I love the impressionists I love Monet in particular you know and then there's people that are like there's just a bunch of shitty splotches on paper I can tell a guy was going blind right like there's always <laughs> going to be those people who are like oh what is this shit and so for you, because I don't know a lot about your younger years and your background, did you grow up in a family that was really interested in art or was that a really kind of personal thing for you? Um, my family is definitely not an arty family. My family is a very sporty family. I have three <laughs> brothers and one sister. Um, it's very much like grew up in like a boxing household. Wow. It's, yeah. <laughs> There's a huge like that's very much part of me as well and I think um so much has come from mm. like confidence and I think my parents gave me such um a strong ability to make my own decisions from being really young like I I told them I was a vegetarian when I was like four years old and I was like okay yeah. <laughs> like they've been very like um yeah very allowing um but it definitely wasn't a necessarily arty household um but I was always you know my mama take me to the library every week and she was always my mama especially was always sewing always making things she still is now I'll go around the house and she'd be like I made you this bag and these towels and blah 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 like she loves just making things so I think I always had they always gave me like art supplies or like yeah. musical instruments or like they let me play with stuff but it wasn't necessarily coming from them the inspiration I guess for it but yeah just always had an option for that um I don't know like I kind of hate the idea of being a person who's like I was just born wanting to make things but I think that's actually true for pretty much everybody like I think it's a very human thing to want to make things um yeah. and yeah I just loved being like sat in the corner in my sketch with my sketchbook like from as long as I can remember like I've just been obsessed with it and I so when can you remember because I I think like it's it's bananas to me that creativity is so undervalued mm. it's literally the reason that we as a species evolved right. like can you imagine <laughs> if the cave people were like I don't know we'll just keeping this cold meat and they weren't like let's maybe make a tool and let's try this and let's like yeah you know and whether we're creating something practical or something artistic we're still engaged in this creation all the time and I think our language around things like creation or sales or marketing you know when you read like to sell is human and we start to realize we have such this bad rap about sales and selling and you know if you're trying to get your toddler to eat their veggies you're, you're trying to sell something you're selling this idea to someone right like we're all selling all the time and so creativity is so undervalued and I think then we saw during the pandemic and it, it was rightly pointed out that what really kept us going especially in those early days when everyone was just like what the hell's happening was all these online places opening up these art galleries yeah. and you know and for me it was amazing because I got to take my kids on all these virtual tours of all these places that don't usually offer them and we started to see like that was what people turned to 
yeah was was creativity that was what really sustained us and nourished us in those you know dark dark times when nobody knew what was happening and can you can you was there a moment I guess in your life where you were like I love this I'm so engaged in it I can feel myself in flow like holy shit six hours just went by I didn't realize that when did you start to think like oh I could actually maybe do this full time Mm. um so so I went to uni and so I have a honors degree in psychology and was planning to be a psychologist and a research psychologist um the whole while I was at uni I had my own like online jewelry shop where I made jewelry I made clothes um and that made me more money than like like that was like a full-time income like while I was at school but it's still I don't think it still fully clicked for me that that yeah. could be my full-time job <laughs> even though it already was my full-time job very strange um but I don't know I think I was just always making things like I'd go to my like science lectures in the most ridiculous outfits that I made for myself <laughs> just like pretending that I, it made sense for me to be there um and I think when, so I was actually applying for my master's and, you know, doing the rounds of interviews to to go to school to do my master's in psych. And I remember one of the professors telling me like, okay, if you get into your master's and then my plan was to do the PhD after that, it was like, it's probably going to be like two years, four years if you do, do your PhD where like, this is it, this is what you do full time and then obviously yeah. after that the goal for everyone doing a PhD should be then to do that full time right yeah um never figured to me apparently um and yeah my professor was like yeah this is full time like you can't really have another job or like do other things or like you can't really travel much because it's pretty much like all the time and I was like sat there having the realization that like whoa this is literally not even remotely how I want to no. spend my life like, <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Like I love, I love learning about psychology. I'm so, I don't know, I probably didn't need to like pay for a degree on it, but like just that moment of, I don't know if it was a moment, but like it, just being in that room with a professor telling me that was like, whoa, wait, no, like I'm not doing that with my life whatsoever. And I think because I already had the experience of like having an online shop and things like that, um, kind of gave me some information and following people online who were doing this thing and it was a real job and it was like going for a long time kind of gave me the understanding that maybe I could do it as well um yeah that sounds like a moment to me. <laughs> yeah. like that real and these this is what I'm so fascinated by is hearing that like because for most people it feels like there's quite a long process where there's all these kinds of threads that get woven or there's but then there there almost always is that one mm-hmm. period of you know like a handful of a couple hundred seconds yeah. where you have this realization of like no but Things then just click but yeah. after that after that it, it was years again of me yeah. having jobs and going quitting the jobs and trying to figure it out and I think so much of that was I guess me trying to find permission or believe that this was something whereas I didn't have the I didn't have anyone else in my life who like growing up or even really at that point who was a full-time artist who was showed me proof when you know I think yeah I think I just didn't fully grasp like how I could do it and as much as like I would have liked to have fast forward in through that those couple of years of like quitting jobs and having jobs I figured out a lot of stuff in that time and like I grew a lot and I don't know that there's a way I could have skipped over it is my point yeah no and I think it brings a depth to your work totally and it brings and it makes me appreciate the fact that I now do get to do this as my job so much more exactly because I'm like I don't want that ever again (laughs) that was no and you and you know clearly what that's like and I think this is where again and this has just changed from the last generation where you know, it wasn't that long ago that they were doing aptitude tests in schools where they're like, well, this is what you're good at. So this should be your job. And it's like, but I don't like that. And, and, you know, I mean, people just shit all over millennials in particular. And then I don't even know what my son's like alpha generation or uh, there's all these different names (laughs) for them. I'm a Gen X, like I was born in 79. So I'm, 
I'm looking down 50 here and I still, and for me, it's such an interesting place to sit because I feel like I'm in between those two worlds of, mm. you know, like my honors degree is political science and human rights. And that's what I was going to do. And then I went and did it and was like, I am too sensitive for this work. It hurts yeah. my heart. I can't do it. I'm so burned out. And it took me a long time to get to this place. Yeah. Of where I could. And this is something I really want to talk about is this permission giving. Mm. Because we're all just waiting for someone to give us fucking permission. And at some point, I have on my computer, I send them to my clients. I'm like, this is your blank permission slip that you were going to write to yourself. <laughs> and you fill it in and it's for whatever you want. And for some clients, it's been like, I'm going to give myself permission to back myself in my business. I'm going to give myself permission to not diet this year. I'm going to give myself permission to wind down after work without a glass of wine. I'm going to give myself permission to drink a bottle of wine when I get home from, you know, like whatever it is that they need. Yeah. Do you remember that moment where you were like, you know, where you just kind of went, fuck it. Like I am the grown up. Cause I don't feel like a grown up. I struggle with this a lot where I'm like looking around for the adults and I'm like, Oh, yeah. it's me. But then the flip side of that is going like, Oh shit, it's me. Like mm. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Oh. I mean, a strong relate, but like, honestly, like it hasn't been again, like it hasn't been that long mm. since we haven't necessarily had to wait for permission. Like yeah. to be to be whatever, to be a musician, to have a gallery show, to create yes. clubs, whatever. There were so many loopholes. There were so many like actual gatekeepers for people to be able to get to that point. Very, very recent that we can go online, Google something and figure out how to have like your yeah. own products printed in like an hour. What? Like this is yeah. this is very new. Um, and I think again, like our understanding that we don't have to wait for somebody or like we can just figure it out on our own. That is something that's new. And I think it requires a certain level of courage and risk-taking for us to build up ourselves. Um, a lot of that for me came from boredom and frustration yeah. of having jobs where I was like, this is a really good job. It's with people who I love hanging out with every day. I get to wear ridiculous outfits. I get to show up mostly as myself. And yet I still hate it and I don't want to do it another day of my life. Yeah. So being frustrated, like finding the places where you are like bored and frustrated and letting that be. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, this is for me anyway. But like letting that be the motivator of like, I'm not doing this anymore. Something alternative is available. Like, we're either going to be pushed or we're going to be pulled by our desires. I think it's really helpful to be both, like to be, to see something of what you want to live and create and be like pulled towards it. And then also be like, fuck this Oosh. shit, not doing that anymore. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Very powerful. And like, I love this. you get to focus and rewrite these stories for yourself of being like, if you're, if you're, if you want, you can wait around forever for someone to give you permission. If you yeah. really want to, if you want to post dead. online, right? <laughs> if you want to post online and find an audience of people, but you feel scared because there's only like 20 people following you right now and you feel silly doing it, you can wait forever in that place. Or yeah. you can be like, people can think I'm cringe. People yeah. can think I'm embarrassed. I don't give a shit because I've got something I'm building here. And when there's thousands of people in a few months, I'm going to feel even more energized and understanding that that's how momentum builds. You yeah. don't have to wait till like, I see this so much. I bring it up because I've been talking about social media a lot for my course, um, yes. but people wanting to have the audience before they start of like, oh, when I have this amount of followers, then I'll start showing up. I'm like, but that's, that's how you build your audience. How it works. Yeah. You have to get like, and that's a sense of permission as well. Like having the presence of the audience can feel like they're permitting people to be like, tell me about what you create. Those people aren't going to come until you give yourself the permission to tell people and speak up and share what you create. What you put out is going to attract those people. And I think that understanding of like how permission actually works in the real world, instead of waiting, no one's yes. going to come to you. 
No one's going to knock on your door and be like, please, can you start making content on this thing? It's not going to happen, right? No. It's, no one's even going to slide in your DMs and ask you if you're not doing anything, right? But when you do start showing up and when you do start doing the things, then you will start getting requests. Then you will start getting people come to you, giving you opportunities. But yeah. it all it leads with you always. And I think too that, there's we have such an obsession with the numbers of people that follow us and I don't have a ton of followers on Instagram but I also know that my the core part of my business which is one-on-one coaching which is what lights me up more than anything has all been word of mouth Mm -hmm. it's all and I don't think a lot of people have found me online so you know I don't occupy that space I am moving this year into I've got products and courses launching and the podcast obviously that will change everything but I don't think we can underestimate as well. Like if you only have four, only 40 followers and right. you show up on that platform authentically as yourself, as a woman in your worth, in your power saying, fuck the crumbs, I want the cake. And one person who follows you goes, you know what? Yeah, fuck the crumbs. And they change their relationship or they quit their job or they cut their hair or they buy the clothes in the size that actually fucking fits them or like whatever. That's huge. Oh, absolutely. That like, is huge. Understanding, this is where I think the, like the understanding the strategy and understanding the practical side of it is really helpful. Because when, mm. if you are, like if your goal is, I want to make enough money to be able to quit my job and make my art full time. I want to get paid to be myself. What's going to help you most in doing that is having like a very grounded, very aware understanding of like okay well how much money do I want to make how many sales do I want to make to reach this target and being very realistic about it um for the longest the last time I quit my job for the longest time I was like oh I have to break um I have to break the 10 um 10k a month before I quit my job otherwise like it's not going to be a sustainable business but like again all of these different stories that I'd picked up from being in the place that of like online business that I thought were helpful stories but it was actually holding me back for longer than I needed it to be. So I was like, I can't quit my job until I reach $10,000 a month. Right. So I kept just pushing it off and pushing it off all the while I was making like three, $4,000 a month. I was making like more than I was making even at my full-time job while working like maybe 10 hours a week, where obviously a full-time job, you're making 40 hours a week. I was like, I still can't, quit my job until I'm making like double what I'm making like none of it makes sense and like me like sitting myself down and having that genuine look at at my money and what was happening and what I wanted to happen to make myself feel comfortable and I was like oh I just need to match my salary oh I just need to be able to have enough to be able to pay my rent and understand like what I've got in savings and understand what I can anticipate to coming like having that very logical approach to what the doesn't have to be a huge amount but just like the amount that you need can quicken the timeline and this is really personal for people I don't want to I don't I mean I'm not not saying quit your job but like you know what I mean like your personal relationship with risk and taking leaps it's it's different for everybody and I know for me understanding that oh, if I quit this job, I have 40 extra hours per week and I can choose to do what I want with that. Maybe I'm going to put some to my business and that's going to make me more money, but also I'm going to put some to working on my creativity, to being able to go traveling, like understanding like how you're actually trading your time for money and how you can expand that. Very, very freeing. It can make you, it can allow you to, like you get an understanding of where you're actually at. And that frees you to make bigger decisions. I I love that. And I think this is where being able to come from that really compassionate place with people and understand that not everybody, because, you know, you see that a lot, burn the boats and just quit your job and take the leap. And, you know, if you've got a family and a mortgage and, or you've, everyone's got financial obligations, essentially. But it is different. It's different for everybody. It's, the ability that I knew, like, as a what what age would I be? Like, mid-20s, like, fully, like, independent. It was easy for me to take a risk, right? And I think you, each person has to understand their level of responsibilities and their level of differences. And also understand that going full-time in, in your business isn't for everybody. And that's totally okay. Yes. 
and and like our lives are literally our lives mm. who the fuck are you trying to impress like do the thing that feels best to you for some people for a long time for me it felt way more exciting for me to have a job that was paying me my money that I was able to pay my rent that I was able yep. to invest in courses and not feel stressed and be able to yes. create yeah. and not have the instant pressure on my projects to, to yeah. pay for everything for me. Yeah. I work landscaping two days a week Beautiful. and I've talked to people about this and it pays well and I'm outside and my hands are in the dirt oh. and I love the physical labor of it. Yeah. But what that also does for me is when I'm engaged in projects like this podcast and my coaching and my movement practice and steel maze coaching and all of these things, it just creates this buffer for me where there's not this, because I am someone who can not respond to pressure very well, you know, and I'm a perfectionist and I've worked really hard on this. I'm a recovering perfectionist, I would say, but it just frees me up to have time to ponder and to have ideas and let them come and let them go and let them do this and to see which ones stick and see which ones start to blossom and all of that kind of thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's where people get, and and a side hustle can stay a side hustle if it brings you joy. And I think it's important to have these conversations where we acknowledge the fact that if you decide to turn that passion project into a full-time gig, it's going to change. Absolutely. You know, the flavor of it's going to change. But I think where people get really stuck sometimes is that, you know, we have such a stereotype of the starving artist, mm-hmm. of artists that create from tragedy and from pain, and we're so poor and we don't have enough food and we're so hungry. And like, yes, a lot of great art has been created from that place. You know, I wrote some very dramatic poetry <laughs> in my teens and <laughs> my early 20s. But what I see emerging now, and certainly when I look at the work that you're putting into the world and the content you're creating is that we can also create from pleasure mm. and joy and love. And there's this juiciness to that. Yeah. And this lushness to that that can't exist in that place of like scarcity and pain. And I think that I'm not saying one's better than the other or that art created from this place is better than the other. But what I see is a lot of creatives and artists keeping themselves in the starving artist mode because they're terrified that if they overcome the poverty or the addiction or the pain or the drama or the toxicity in the relationships that suddenly all of the fuel for their creativity Mm. is going to just disappear yeah you know I mean gosh I don't even I think about this so much and I never really feel like I've got to the bottom of where this story has come from of like the tortured artist and maybe it's from a history of you know the resources not being so widely available so if people Mm. chose that life it would morph and lead to that um who knows um all I do know is that it's really irrelevant now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. See that, that, and that's just it. It's bullshit. It's not. It's not yeah. Real. Like I think, I mean, we see it so much. Still, we see it so much in terms of like in in big big ways. Like even with music, like we mm. like to. I it feels cathartic and good to listen to music. That like sometimes I'm like I just want to put Adele on and sob for an hour, and yeah. it feels good, right? Yeah. But I also want to get in my car and listen to like Sweetie or whatever, and like fucking have the most fun ever. Like we want to have like the joy of Prince as well. Um, and I think we see it a lot in movies where like dramatic or like overwhelming and like movies that can frazzle the fuck out of your nervous system are deemed higher than comedy movies yeah. Yeah. like how many how many comedy movies do we see getting oscars even though they're yeah. made to such like i can talk about comedy all day but <laughs> we won <laughs> but yeah like it's very it's complicated and it's interesting but i think we're in a really great position where we get to spread positivity or we get to be really intentional about I want to make my um art coming from a positive place which isn't to say you're completely bypassing any negative emotions or anything like that but 
that there is space for the full range of expression to exist yeah. in art. Yeah. Of humanity. Yeah. Because that's, that's what we that's, want. That's, that is what we want. And that's, that is who we are. And, you know, I think we're very reductionist as humans. I think it's, it's a lot simpler to manage things that are, you know, like I said, black and white, either or that fit into these neat little boxes. Um, but when you can get your head around that full range, mm. it's such a gift. It's such a gift to yourself and to the world. Yeah. And I'm very conscious of the time. I could talk to you for days, I'm sure. For people who are listening to this, and this is not, you know, when, when we talk about creatives, I'm using a very wide lens. Yeah. Speaking of creatives. So athletes are creatives. Um, builders are creatives. Writers are creatives. Coaches are like, I mean, we're all creative to some extent. We're all creating. And for those people who are listening to this, who like me, when I hear words like productivity or groundedness or logical or practical, there's this part of me that's like, and it shrinks. <laughs> and I've done this enough to breathe into it, to open myself back up, to understand that those are part of my business and that that relationship is tricky. I know you've got a new course scene. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because this is very much for people who are listening right now, whose interest has been peaked Who's you know, going, Ooh, this is, I'm, I'm getting this. This is landing for me. Tell us a little bit about that course and how people can work with you. Yeah, totally. So scene is, it's my, not a social media social media course it's literally a program <laughs> on taking up your space and yeah. being confident and empowered to share what you're creating share your message with the world because ultimately that's going to be the foundation like if your goal is to get paid to be yourself if you want to create varying different things and give yourself that freedom to follow your own expression and be able to create things from that maybe they're going to be physical products or they're going to be services or like courses where you work with other people the foundation of that is always going to come down to your ability to be seen and your ability to take up your space because yeah. you can you can create the most beautiful impactful thing but if it stays as like a document on your computer it's not going to bring any help to you it's not going to bring any money to you it's not going to bring help to the people who could really enjoy it right so I think having the expansiveness to like show up and tell people about yourself and be genuinely enthusiastic about who you are as a person and what you have to share with the world is life-changing and I say that with like full sincerity like genuinely yeah. life-changing if you're able to go online and have it be something that's really easy and really fun and it's just you telling people about the things that you've created you immediately put yourself into a next level of opportunity because it might seem like online is like oversaturated and there's all these people screaming but I guarantee like if you think about the people you know in real life and how many of them are actually taking up space online yeah barely anybody is doing it as soon as you do it and when you're able to make it easy and make it fun so you do it consistently like by accident you just want to show up every day and tell people what yeah. you've been doing then you you set yourself apart instantly yeah it's insane like the opportunities that you're able to create just by showing up and telling people about what you've created is amazing so I'm really excited to work with people through this and share this in scene um, and I also have my membership the creatrix coven where we meet every single week and we focus on building creativity as a practice in your life and honing your expression right now we're going through unleash the creatrix within which is so much fun it's like building your own creatrix identity embodying that living it out creating projects through it it's, it's fun stuff. We have a great time. Good. And where's the best place for people to find you? Is it Instagram? Instagram. Yeah. So I'm at Gabriella Rosie on Instagram. Um, yeah. And you can find everything from there. My very last question for you. Well, it won't be my last question forever, but my last question for now <laughs> is who as artists inspire you? So when you really you know, like those artists that when when they release a new book or a new mm. album or a new piece of art, that it really kind of takes your breath away. You pre-order it. 
you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Who are the people that bring you that greatest sense of connection and joy and just, oh. you know, love? Oh, so many people. Um, <laughs> I feel like it changes all the time and I'm definitely yeah. going to forget people. Um, definitely. Okay, let's have a think. Lauren Hill, um, Erica Badu, Andre 3000, Amy Winehouse, Rick Rubin, I'm obsessed with. Yes. He's like my creative mentor. Um, who else? God, I don't even know. Rihanna, so excited to watch her Super Bowl performance. I know. I know. It'll be the first time I've watched the Super Bowl performance. (laughs) Actually, that's not true. I did watch J-Lo and Shakira. Yeah, I mean, I've watched all the halftime shows, none of the actual football. Um, Gosh, I don't even know. Like, so many people. Yeah. So many people. Most of the people, it's like, they're going to be someone who is very, like, clearly themselves like someone where you could almost like caricature them and know exactly who it was and my favorite type of people yeah who have those just that it because this is where I think you get to see that I mean there's art that I can identify by looking at it and being like oh that's this artist or that art Mm. you know Banksy for example like they're quite uh, you know easy to understand yeah and then there's the artists who have really managed to inject themselves energetically into their art well yeah well, and it's so like even it becomes it was, them. Yes. Like, yeah. They like them just moving through life. Yeah. As who they are. And I think that <laughs> to me, that is what you do. You know, oh, I don't you. I don't get the sense. Obviously, I'm aware that what you see online is not always what you see in real life, but I don't get the sense with you that when I'm about to hit end on this, that you like take the headphones off and you're like, oh, <laughs> like a totally different person, right? So that's something I really appreciate about you. Amazing. Um, I love that. And that you've inspired me and I know you've inspired so many people and you can inspire hopefully even more when they listen to this. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm feeling like vibrating with excitement right now (laughs) to actually finish the courses. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's not going to help anyone sitting in a document on your computer. And I'm like, like, not me. Oh yeah. I'm I'm a big one for like... Sometimes I might piss people off, like <laughs> work with me or talk yeah. to me. Yeah. But like, I mean, as I said earlier, like I think that level of like being frustrated with yourself, yes. I find really helpful. Yeah. And I think being able to like not dwell on the frustration, like whenever I, I constantly am like catching myself of being like, oh, you've been acting like a little bitch last week. Like, why yeah. have you been wasting your time and energy like that? the the when you notice thinking something it's like it's not going to help you to dwell forever in it it's like okay now let's just move different like where do we go from here um a couple years ago I was interviewed on a podcast and the woman was asking me the interviewer said to me oh you know so I work with a lot of my clients around self-sabotage that's like a pretty Mm. consistent theme I mean I think it's a pretty consistent theme for most humans and women in particular especially creatives and things and she said to me so when you find yourself caught in self-sabotage and engaging in behaviors and techniques that you know are not going to like serve your greater purpose what's I think the question was basically like what's the compassionate self-talk that you (laughs) use and I was like that's my compassion say to me what I say is stop being a dumb bitch like stop being a dumb bitch and I say that because at some point when I'm like you know here is the list of all the things that I know help me be my best self and here's the list of all the things that keep me from that and look at me doing all the shit over on this side I'm being a dumb bitch like sometimes it's like we just the the most compassionate thing we can do like let me just give myself a a little slap across the face a little reality check and we'll just move on it's yeah. cool. And my yeah. clients have party hats that they wear for their pity party and they set timers Love. and they can put Love. their hat on and they, and some of them have actually filmed it and said to me, and you can sit there for, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever you want to give yourself, no more than an hour. And you can sit there and be like, everything's unfair. Nobody likes me. Nobody helps me. It's all, and when the timer goes off, you take the hat off and you yeah. take some kind of action towards you know just one small step drink a fucking glass of water I mean that seems really impossible to me to some days to stay hydrated so just something something to move yourself back into that place of not being a little bitch right so I love that you said that (laughs) that's such a great note to end on um I will send people your way 
It has been just such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing conversation. I've had so much time. I feel so stoked, which is like the whole point of it. (laughs) It's the whole theme. (laughs) Yeah. I said to my husband when I launched, you know, even if no one ever listens to a single episode, which I know they will, but it's really just an opportunity for me to have conversations with and pick the brains of people that I find fucking fascinating. So yeah, I'm so glad you said yes. I'm so glad I did. It's been fun. I'm very excited to listen to the rest of the episodes as well. Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Beautiful. Thank you, lovely. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sisters in Stoke. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you or somebody you know would be an excellent Stokes person, feel free to get in touch. All of the information you need is in the show notes. Until next time, I'm your host, Megan Burks, reminding you to find your Stoke.